0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church where we are one church meeting in five different locations and our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at com. I realize that when we have Valentine's Day and I could go to the history of Valentine's Day and and, and give you a little great history but the truth is, there are many of us at different seasons of our life. This morning, uh, my daughter woke up to uh, candies and chocolates from me, and she also got some from, from Jacob Jr., who's in town. He said to her last night, Look, I'll be your valentine if you'll be mine. Okay? She said, Okay, he goes, that means you got to get me something, too. So I don't really know if he was doing that for himself or for her. But nonetheless, she woke up to stuff from him. She woke up to stuff from me. She woke up to stuff from her mom. But... But I'm always aware that there are people here. Matter of fact, probably if if you ever didn't come to this church and you were describing it to other people, you might probably hear something like this. Well, if you go by Pastor Jacob, he's going to hug you or kiss you. I can't tell you over the last 22 years of doing that, how many women have said to me, thank you, Pastor Jacob, you're the only man that ever hugs or kisses me. And that's on the cheek. Okay, by the way, I want you to think about that a moment. Thank you. You're the only man that hugs me or kisses me. And I'm always reminded that in a world that has a perverse definition of what love is that there are many of you that are here that always seem like you're the person that's standing on the outside of the store looking into the window going i wish i had what they had but i never will here's the truth can, can i tell you the truth okay outside of those six people with the rest of you would you like to hear the truth I know more happy single people than I do happy married people. It's true. It's true. And so today, I want to talk to you about a full life of love and what that means. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he came us to give us a life. One translation says a greater life than you ever dreamed of. Every great life is filled with loving people in it. I've been very privileged for people to trust me with the most private moments of their life when they or a loved one was passing. I, 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 I've been there, right there, when, when just any moment they would enter an eternity, and I've been with many of them at that moment when they did. Do you know that none of them asked for their 401k? None of them went, hey, hey, how much is it that I'm leaving behind? None of them said, listen, listen, could you tell me how big the business is? Show show me that. I want to see that. How, How big was the ranch? What did the camp and the boat look like? But every one of them went, where's my son? where's my best friend where's my wife where's my husband where's my, where's my where's my child where's my neighbor where's my best friend for life because a great life is not filled with things a great life is filled with great people someone said that if you have 5 true friends that you can call and share anything with you're wealthy I I, I don't know how true that is, but I'm sure some element of that must be true. So how do you love the people that are nearest and dearest in your life? And how do you keep significant people that you love healthy in your life? Today's message, I want to give you seven principles that will help you. They're gifts that you can actually give the people that you truly love if you want to keep them in your life and if you want to keep those relationships healthy. Are you ready? Here is the first Valentine's gift that you can give them. We can say it together. Forgiveness. 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 You know, um, I've written a few books. I wrote most of them in the 80s and one in the 90s. And the last book I'm going to write, maybe, I guess it will be, is on forgiveness. Someone asked me, they said, Pastor, why why are you writing a book on forgiveness? Well, I've only been a Christian 48 years. So at 62 and being a Christian for 48 years, I finally got kind of good at it. You say, Pastor, it took 48 years? Yes. Yes. And understanding the depths that every relationship in my life thrives off of this. I like to say it like this, forgiveness is the only bridge to continued relationship. The moment you burn that bridge, all true friendship ends all true friendship. Now you might still know each other. You might still show up. You might still work at the same place. You might even still sleep right beside each other and you may still share the same last name. But the moment you stop forgiving is the moment in reality that that relationship ends. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 15. I want you to read it with me. But... What's what's the second word? Say it loud. If, it's condition. This is a condition. Listen to what the condition is. But if you withhold what? Forgiveness from others, then here's what's going to happen. You're gonna set a law into process and your father will withhold what? Forgiveness from who? See, forgiveness is not in between you and the person you won't forgive. Forgiveness is not this thing where you go, well, I have this and I'm not going to give it to you. Because if I give it to you, you're just gonna hurt me again. Forgiveness is not in between you and the person you won't forgive. Forgiveness is between you and the person that's already forgiven you. Forgiveness is between you and the one that's already forgiven you. God, I, I know what you're saying. Pastor, Pastor, you, you don't know what they did. They hurt me. They hurt me. Can I share something with you that you need to know? You need to know this. All people are going to hurt you. You just have to decide which relationships are worth hurting. Which relationships are worth hurting for? Because quite often it is the people that are closest to us that are the people that hurt us the most. The first gift, and can I tell you how practically some of you need to do that? Because as soon as I mention this word, the Holy Spirit, who is very good at his job, The Holy Spirit works in your mind and in your heart, your soul, that's your mind, will, and emotions. And as soon as someone mentions something like this, immediately people start popping up at the top of your head, just like this sign. And if someone popped up to the top of your head, then you've been withholding something that you need to give them. Now, when you forgive them, it doesn't mean you forget what they did to you. It means you forgive them for doing it to you. So in a practical way, what do I need to do? Shoot him a text today. Shoot him a text today. It didn't have to be some, you know, the pastor preached today on forgiveness, and I thought of all the people that have wronged me, and you were at the top of my list. He said that the person's picture would jump up on the top of your head, and you were there on living screen. Okay, that's nobody... It's just acknowledging, hey, thinking about you today. Hey, happy Valentine's Day. Maybe you need to say more than that. Maybe you don't, but it needs to be acknowledged. Give those you love. It might be a son or a daughter. It might be indifference or something that you're harboring against a relative or a loved one or even your own mate, but give them the gift of forgiveness. Here's the second one. Here's the second one. Let's try that one more time. Enthusiasm. Do you know the word Theo means God? So enthusiasm literally means to be God filled. Listen to what Ephesians 6, 7 says. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for rather than for in other words that means carry yourself as though God is with you and in you because he is because he is carry yourself as though God is with you or in you because he is enthusiasm simply means to be God filled did God feel? What, what would it be like if Jesus was with you everywhere you went? You know how i describe this? Let me tell you how i describe this. How many of you know people that it doesn't matter what's going on, the cup is always half empty? If you've ever asked me how I'm doing, if you say, Pastor, how are you? When you walk in, I'll say, better than I deserve. And no, I didn't steal it from Dave Ramsey. He stole it from me. Now I want him to start tithing to me. Okay, enthusiasm. Do do you know what I would encourage you to do? Look at me. And some of us have different temperaments. I got it. I understand. But I believe that as a born again child of God, that believe Christ is living inside of you. God is living in you. That when you walk into a room, you shouldn't be a thermometer. You should be a thermostat. That when you walk into a room, the environment should change because you're there. It should become more positive because you're there. How many of you know people that when, no matter what happens, they got something negative to say? COVID's over. Yeah, but it could come back. Yeah, you could too. Why don't you and COVID both leave and we'll all be doing better. Do you know how much it costs to have a good attitude? You're wrong. It's very expensive. There are many people that have cut off the future to their life by their attitude. It's very expensive. It's very expensive. It might cost nothing to have one. It does cost. That's not really even fair, is it? It costs saying no to my emotions. It costs saying no to circumstances that are around me. It costs believing this versus everything else that I see around me. It's simply believing that God is with me and that God is in me. And if I'm in the room, God's in the room and things are going to get better. Is that okay? Okay, here's the third one. Okay, so now when I flip it around, you figure out you got to yell it out, okay? Here's the third. Here's the third Valentine's gift. You can give every relationship that's important to you. Here it is. Boundaries. Boundaries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What are boundaries? Boundaries are the house all healthy relationships live in. Boundaries keep the bad out and the good in. The good end. Let, 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 me, let me explain it like this. Some of us have been hurt over the course of our lives. Let me restate that. All of us have been hurt. Some of us have been hurt more than others. Some of you, your father left when you were young. Some of you were abused. Some of you were left. Some of you were forgotten. Some of you were divorced. Some of, all, all kinds of different circumstances. But just because that happened to you, it doesn't mean you have to punish everybody else that comes to you for the rest of your life. You see, a healthy life should have walls, it keeps the bad out, but it also should have gates to let the good in. Because let me tell you what happens. If you spend all your life keeping everyone out because you've been hurt, then you literally sabotage your own prayers because when God sends people to you to help you, you've put up a wall when really it should be a gate. They're an answer to prayer. They're an answer to prayer. We all know people that just, you know, let everybody in their life, oh, They're just, they're just, I mean, they didn't mean that. Yeah, I I know they're doing all of that, but, but, but they really, really, really didn't mean that. The Bible gives us a real clear picture of how to deal with circumstances that sometimes we get confused about. It's in Galatians 6, 2, through 5. Listen to what it says. Read it with me. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now we'll read verse five together. But if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Verse five, for each one shall bear his own load. Another translation says burden. So Solicit the conflict. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. At the end, let everybody bear their own burden. Okay, like which is it? Well, of course, you know, the New Testament was written in Greek and the first word burden there is a load that is so big. One person could never carry it on their own. So when you see someone and they're carrying a load that's so heavy, they're doing all they can do and they could never carry it on them. And God says, Christ would get under there and help them. You get under there and you help them with their load. But then he says this. But if they have a load that's their load that they can carry and they refuse to carry it, that tells you, you can't help that person because they refuse to help themselves. <laughs> so when people say to me, well, it's my child or well, it's my best friend. And do they just, how many of you know people that are always in a financial bind? Always in a bind. How many of you know people always in a bad relationship? There's just nothing but mad men out there. Everywhere I look, there's just bad men. All I attract is bad men. Where do you meet them at? Cowboys? (laughs) What could it be (laughs) that you just gather where a lot of bad men gather? And look, I'm from Texas. I believe in cowboys. But, but could it be that you are attracting not what you want, but you're attracting what you are because instead of having a wall and a gate, all you have is gates. You let everybody in. Love believes the best, but love's not blind and stupid. It's not blind and stupid. Now, I'm going to give you an extreme example. It's an extreme example, and I'm just telling you that from the beginning. Our second son, Christian, was in the height of his rebellion. He was 19 years old, and he decided that he wanted to live life his way. And I'm like, okay, you weren't raised that way. I actually named you Christian because I prophetically believed that people were going to have to call you Christian all your life for you to be reminded that you were a Christian. (laughs) That's, that's, That's a true story. His mama's right here. That's completely true. And so at 19, I said, son, if you, if, if, you, know, if you don't want to go along with the way that we live our lives, and I'm not talking about being a Christian, I'm talking about going to church, cleaning your room, honoring us, just, just the basic housekeeping things, then, then, then you're going to have to move out. And at that time, he was, we were going to make him move in with one of our youth pastors. This was us kicking him out of the house in Broussard, who was living on the campground. So that, that next morning, I go... And I said, let's load up stuff in your car. Let's load up everything in your car. And he's sitting there and he goes, I want you to know I've been thinking about something. I said, well, what's that, baby? He goes, I've been thinking about killing myself. So well, Christian, that is just terrible. First, it would devastate your mother. It would break your grandmother's heart. It would hurt God. But son... I would stand before God and say, Father, I did everything I could possibly do on my own. Now let's pack up your stuff and load up the car. See, Pastor, how'd that work out? He's preaching at his church this morning. I prayed with him before the first service. I'll let you figure that out. Some, some don't always work out that way. I'm not saying that they do, but boundaries are still necessary. Have have you ever been conflicted when you pulled up to a four-way stop and there's somebody there with the sign that says, we'll work for food? I used to get real conflicted when I did that. So you know what I decided I was going to do? I felt bad when I drove by them. And then I felt bad when I gave them money. Is it, is anybody, anybody giving them money? Raise your hand. Okay. How many know they went and got drunk right after that? Finally, one guy was honest. I was going towards Karen Crow one time and I exited off and a guy goes, we'll work for food. And then right before I got to him, he flipped it around and it said, that's a lie. I really just need a beer. I'm like, at least he's honest. I gave him five bucks just for honesty. No, no, watch this. L- listen to what I'm saying. So I offered, I started offering people. You work for food? Hey, listen, I know somebody that can use you. He runs a long care business, hop in. The guy goes, oh, I can't go. I'll go, so what you mean is you'll beg versus work. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't even eat. Because God understood that productivity was connected to identity. Now, there are people that are mentally unstable. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about every extreme because you could talk about extremes. I'm talking about people that are capable and able. Listen, there are people with every kind of handicap in the world working at Walmart and working at many stores all over, and they can't do everything everybody can do, but they can certainly do what they can do. You need boundaries. You need it with your marriage. You need it with your kids. Now it's Valentine's Day, so let me really get practical, okay? Okay. Every healthy marriage has boundaries. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time because possibly you didn't hear me. Every healthy marriage needs boundaries. Uh, This beautiful Cajun princess has been married to me 39 years and 30 days today. There are times when I've said stuff to her and she stopped and she looked at me and goes, you're not going to talk to me like that. Like, whoa. Whoa baby, do you know that you won the Brown Lottery? (laughs) I am the macho muchacho. I'm who Nacho Libre really wish he was. (laughs) And there are times I've looked at her and said, baby, you're not going to talk to me that way. I'm a man of God. I'm a man of God. And there's times she's looked at me and said, you're not going to talk to me that way. I am a woman of God. It has nothing to do with, I'm a Baudouin. And nobody tells a Baudouin, we from Delcom what to do. That's not it. It's not like, I'm a Ransa. And Ransas are macho muchachos. No. I am a born again child of God. Christ lives inside of me. And because of that, there is a way that I should be treated. And there's a way she should be treated. that's boundaries if you think that you're an abusive relationship and you're doing that for Jesus you're not you're not as a matter of fact I think most of you know this it's the principle of relationships most people will treat you at whatever level you allow them to treat you at yeah so what's that one Boundaries. Here's the next one. Generosity. Generosity. Giving people you love generosity. How many of you know people that are tight? Financially. Stingy. I mean when they reach to grab that wallet, it's like They pry that thing open. They need WD-40 and a chisel. <laughs> Old folks used to say they squeeze a nickel to the buffalo squeals. <laughs> <laughs> and you sit there and they're... <laughs> Listen to what the scripture says. The wisest man that ever lived next to Jesus, Solomon, says this. Give what? And become more... Be and lose Everything. The generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Generosity is living with the same attitude that God lives with. Let me, let me tell you what I'm not saying. You know what I think we should be? I think we should be frugal with ourselves, but generous with others. When you do it the wrong way, you do it the exact reverse. You're frugal with other people, but you're generous with yourself. When you are generous to other people, you enter an amazing principle called the law of sowing and reaping. And you know what the law of sowing and reaping is? If you don't pull out your phone video me saying this, it's not gonna come up on the screen. I heard someone say this probably 25, 30 years ago and I've never forgotten it because it's true. Here's the law of sowing and reaping. Number one, you reap what you sow. How many of you know generous people? What do you always want to do when you're around them? Give to them. You reap what you sow. Secondly, you reap more than you sow. You reap more than you sow. And here's the third one. You reap later than you sow. You reap what you sow. There there is a, a principle called the principle of seven In finance, and that is if you have a bit of money and you put it in a good investment at 12% interest over seven years, your money will double. This spiritual principle is better than that because when you sow into other people's lives and you're generous to other people, and I'm not just talking about money because that's not the most expensive thing you have, but it's being generous towards others. Be generous. I try to be the most generous person I know. I tip everywhere I go. The only place I get aggravated tipping is Starbucks. Because it's the only place I know where they expect to tip after making you wait 20 minutes. OK, or and/ or any other place. But I always want to be the most generous person I. No. And the most generous person in that environment. Here's the fifth one. Well, what does it mean, pastor, to give people a blessing? What does that mean? I want to show it to you because this may be next to forgiveness, the most powerful one there is. Jesus is beginning his ministry, he's 30 years old, and he's going out to be baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. In Mark chapter one, verse nine, it says that one day Jesus came from the Galilean village of Nazareth and had John immerse him in the Jordan River. The moment John rose up out of the water, John saw the heavenly realm split open and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested upon him. At that same time, a voice spoke from heaven saying... You are my son. That's one. Number two, my cherished one. Number three, my greatest delight is in you. In this moment, God gave his son beginning the most important journey of ministry for the next three years, three things every one of us need. Number one, he claimed him. You are my son. Number 2, he named him my cherished one. Number 3, he blessed him. My greatest delight is in you. Let me talk about each of those. Number 1, he claimed him. Every one of us need to know that we are claimed that were claimed. You need to know, I am a born-again child of God. My daddy might not acclaim me, my grandmother might not acclaim me, the other people I'm related, but God claims me, I am a blood-washed, spirit-filled child of the living God. And that is why when we made these declarations that I have for you, that's the first thing on the top of it. That's the first thing. I'm a born-again child of God. That's your identity. That's your identity. He claimed him, you are my child. Here's the second one. He named him, my cherished one. My cherished one. Now, how many of you have read the Bible a little bit? How many of you have ever read the book of John? John was 14 years old when he started following Jesus. And when you see the pictures of the last supper, it's John who's leading on the chest of Jesus. Okay, do you know what John's nickname is? We know that Thomas we call the doubter. Okay, Peter became the denier. But do you know what John's name is? In John, in the book of John, it mentions it over and over. He's called John the, the Beloved. Say it with me, John the Do you know who gave him that name? He gave it to himself. How many of you come from a family with more than one child? How many of you know the child that always goes, oh, I'm the favorite, I'm the favorite, I'm the favorite. All the children always say, Joseph was the favorite. And his mother would go, that's not true. What would make you think Joseph was the favorite? Well, when we were kids at Christmas, they'd get a gun, they'd get a rod and reel, they'd get a bike, Joseph would get a bass, an amplifier, a headset, uh, a Wii, Uh, Game Boy. uh, That's kind of a little bit. Well, the truth is, he wasn't the favorite. I will say this. He was the easiest to love out of all of them. Joseph hadn't had two bad days his whole life. Every day, sunshine. Now, I'm not saying he looks like he never had a bad day. I'm just saying his attitude is he just never had a bad day. That's just, that's his wiring John named himself the beloved. Look at me. You must believe that you are God's cherished child. You must believe with all your heart that you are the cherished one by your father. That God loves you. That God loves you. Here is the third one. And he blessed him. He claimed him, he named him, and he blessed him. He said, my greatest delight is in you. Over the course of the last 40 years working in Acadiana, I've done everything from work as a chaplain for the saints to work with people who were on drugs and homeless. I've had the privilege of working with some really successful people and some people who are just trying to figure out life do you know that some of the most successful people I know, whether it was in pro sports or whether it was in financially in business, have been working hard to get one thing from their father? Just one. Simply to hear him utter these words, "I'm I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. There is something about hearing that from someone that truly knows you and truly loves you. If you've ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, how many of you have ever seen it? At the end of the movie, he's standing there and he's standing in the cemetery and some of the people that died coming to rescue him and he's there and the last scene is him and his wife and he looks at his wife and he says this, tell me I'm a good man. Just tell me I'm a good man. Tell me somebody's proud of me. God made every one of us in such a way that we need validation from the people that truly love us, know us, and care about us. You need the blessing. Number six. And this is the most expensive one out of all of them. Time. Time. If I was to call Bill Gates and say, I wouldn't call him Bill, I'd say, William, this is Pastor Jacob, the Mexicoon. I know you know a lot of people, and I know you've been a lot of places, but I want you to come to Lafayette, Louisiana, and I'm gonna pay you a million dollars to come and spend a day with me. Do you know what Bill Gates would say? It's gonna cost me a hundred million to spend a day with you. That's how expensive my time is. He's gonna make more money, he'll make more inventions, he'll hire more employees. But the one thing that he and I and you all have in common that we can't make more of is it's time. And time is the greatest gift. One of the greatest gifts we truly give those that we love. I'll never forget years ago doing a youth camp and the last night of camp, students were coming up and they were saying, I'm going to lay down a, a boyfriend that's an unhealthy relationship. Other kids, I'm going to lay down some addictions that I've had. Others, I'm going to forgive people that have hurt me. And, and, and kids are just coming up to the front and they're praying and they're, they're saying different things that they're giving up. And a girl walks up to her youth pastor and hands him a woman's Rolex watch. A week later that pastor went and met with her daddy. Her parents had divorced when she was a young girl. Her father was very successful. And so at certain times he would, he would give her very expensive gifts in lieu of spending time with her. So the youth pastor called and said, uh, I'd like to set up an appointment to meet with you. I have something to give you from your daughter. So he goes and he walks into his office and he sits down, looks at all of the credible, successful things that are around him, and, and he begins telling him the story about that night and about the service and about what happened. And then he reached into his pocket and he pulled out that Rolex watch and he said, Sir, this is a very expensive watch, but it's a very cheap substitute for time. Do what the people in my life that really matter to me want more than anything else? They just want, they just want time. You know what your mate wants? You know what your children want? You know what your best friends want? You know what your mama, your daddy, mama, papa, the people that really care about you, you know what they all want? Ecclesiastes 3 and 4 says this, there is a time to cry. And a time to laugh. And a time to and a time to what? To dance. You know, you can laugh and dance with almost anybody. You can go down to Randall's. Does Randall still exist? You could go down to Randall's and they're kicking up Cajun music, or you you could go on the other side of town and you could go to some little Fado Do and people dance and laugh. You don't even have to know many people in the room, you just enjoy dancing. But when it comes to grieving and crying, hey, you can only do that with people that you really love. People that you really trust. Sometimes you don't have to have the answer. It took me a long time as a pastor to figure that out. Jesus showed up at his best friend's funeral three days late they'd already had the burial his sisters were wailing Mary and Martha and Jesus said take me where y'all have buried him and they got there and Jesus did what most of us should do with people that we love when they go through tragedy it's a verse that all of us memorized just to be able to say we knew a verse it's the shortest verse in the Bible and it says Jesus Jesus wept see the people that really love you They just want you to know that because you're hurting, they're hurting too. Because you're grieving, they're grieving too. That's a gift. A true gift. And here's the last one. The gift that you give every relationship you truly love. Proverbs Proverbs 27, five and six, Solomon writes this, an open, an open what? Don't do that. Why are you doing? That's not good. That's not good for you. Why would you say that? Why would you go out with that person? Why would you let that happen? Why would you go there? Don't do that with your money. Why would you? An open rebuke is better than hidden love and wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. My closest friends love me enough to say what those who say they love me won't say. My dearest friends love me enough to say what those who say they love me will not say. They are willing to risk our relationship and our friendship to help me become a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better Christian. When, uh, when I gave my life to Christ, y'all have heard the story, I was a mess. I was just a mess. I was a mess. There were no boundaries in my life that there was no truth in my life. There was no healthy relationships in my life. I was just a mess. And Pastor Keith who came and led a spiritual awakening in my junior high school where a thousand kids came to Christ and I went over into the youth group and, and he became like a father to me. He would, was living in my mother's bar, served beer every day when I came home from school. The highlight weekends was he would pick me up and and sometimes I'd get to go over and spend the afternoon with him and his family before we go to Sunday night church. And then Sunday night after church, we go to dinner. Of course, he always paid. And then he dropped me off at my mom's bar. I started preaching and sharing my story with him when I was 14 years old. Who in the world would let me speak? There were people. And I would stand up and say, hi, my name's Jacob Aranza. I gave my life to Christ in a school. Pastor Keith led a spiritual awakening. A thousand kids gave their life to Christ. I was one of them. He picks me up every week from my mom's bar two or three times a week. I, I live in a bar and I serve beer at my mom's bar every day when I come home. But, but that's where I've started ministering to people and people would clap. I couldn't figure that out. And uh, there's pictures of unclothed women. I'll take one down and put a big sign up there. Repent. No drunks will enter the kingdom of heaven. They would laugh. And I'd share my story about 10 minutes. And then Pastor Keith would stand up and preach and talk about what he was doing to help young people across the greater Houston area. When I was 17, he announced that he was leaving. Like, it's like if you came to church today and I said, I'm leaving Lafayette and we're moving to Houston we were all kind of in shock. And so I walked up to him. He was standing, shaking people's hands and people were saying that they were sorry he was leaving and they missed him. And I looked at him and I said, if you leave, what happens to me? And he stopped. And off the top of his head, he said, well, go ask your mother if she'll sign guardianship papers and you can go with me. So I got in the car afterwards. I went straight. Somebody dropped me out of my mama's bar. My mama was there at the bar. I walked in. I said, mama, mama, Pastor Keith is leaving and to going to a place called Waco, Texas. And he said, if you'll sign papers, I can go with them. Can I go? She said, yes. Signed the papers. And I was gone. Soon as I got to my school, my school, Waco High School, I began preaching to everybody. I became known as Reverend Jacob. I was the only senior in high school that had checks that said Reverend jacob aranza and my principal was so moved by what happened as he called a school assembly 750 kids at waco high school and let me share my story with the whole student body it was a standing ovation at the end after that that principal started calling other schools having me speak all over and that's what i did for the next 20 years When I would come back from speaking, churches would start asking me to speak. I'm I'm junior in high school, senior in high school, and I'm preaching two or three night meetings at different places. And I come back and Pastor Keith would go, how did it go? I said, Pastor, they said they have never seen anyone like me in their whole life. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, you wouldn't believe the kids that gave their life to Christ. They said they've never heard anybody like me or seen anybody like me. They said I'm the greatest thing they have ever seen since tortillas. And he would look at me and he would say, and if this didn't happen a hundred times, it never happened once. Son, you're so proud. I can't believe that God doesn't kill you right there where you stand. And I'd go, what are you talking about? See, Jacob, just listen to you. You're not talking about what God did. You're talking about what you did. You're not bragging on him. You're bragging on you, son. There's so much pride in you. Pride took the devil down and pride will take you down. And I just, I remembered. So my daddy talked to me. It's what people that didn't like me talked to. So people that are angry at me talk to me. I'd ball up my fist just like this, all 150, 6'3", 150 pounds, 6'3". Looked like a long-haired mop. And he'd reach over, old iron worker, 18-inch arms, and he'd go, Jacob I'm telling you son because I love you and the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy faithful are the wounds of a friend and son I'm telling you what I'm telling you now so that pride won't take you out later now hug me and I'd go I'm not hugging you if you take up and hug you if you all that, I'm not hugging you and he'd go well then son we're going to be here all day long I'd go well we can just be here all day long and all of a sudden one tear would go and another one over here saw that one and it went and then all of a sudden they started racing and I'd fall into his arms and he'd say Jacob God's going to use you son God has his hand on your life and he has a great future for you but if you don't kill this now it will kill you people that truly love me I've spoken the truth to me because they do. Would you bow your head with me, Heavenly Father? Thank you for your powerful word that's unchanging. Thank you for the truth of the Word of God that is spiritual and life-transforming. Father, we pray for all of those all across our campuses. Iberia, but those in the Lafayette Parish jail, those that are here, those that are watching at home, we ask you in the name of Jesus to take the truth of your word on this Valentine's Day and shape us, breathe on us. Holy Spirit, that small voice. Let's speak so loud in moments like this. Speak to us. Speak to us.